Welcome to episode 127, I got the number right this time, Johnny, 127 of the Half Point Per Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Riggs, joined as always by my co-host, Dalton Willie, and back from a hand injury, producer Johnny Fan. Johnny, how's the how's the hand feeling today? How's the finger feeling today? Oh uh, man, fingers uh, fingers not great. Um, as some some of you saw, Evan tweeted out a picture leaking it, and uh, <laughs> a day later, now I'm out for the season. Um, so looks look at that, Bengals, you played yourself. Um, <laughs> uh, you know what? We uh we tried to get you on the injury report, but it just yeah, what was not able to happen. Yeah, you know, with the flight air com- air compression. That's kind of what it's there for. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, it's just, it, it's very split. It's very common for podcasters to put mm-hmm. compression on on like their wrist or their their hands when they fly, just just in case of swelling. You know, yeah, it's a known thing. It's completely different. This was <laughs> a, a door was in the way. I I shut the door and then just didn't move, and then now we're here. Um, what I did not do is delete my tweet because we have nothing to hide. Uh, I feel like if you delete the tweet, you do have something to hide. <laughs> Bengals, uh, Bengals. Mm, that was bad. Uh, maybe the Bengals should get fined. Uh, See, under God. investigation, and then they're just hoping we forget. I, I will never forget that because people lost money on that, and the NFL is just like. Oh, and by and by and by people, by people, Johnny means he lost money. No people. People lost money on it. That's that's very fair. Um, my if we're just starting off the players we're thankful for podcast by airing our grievances. Uh, that that holding call on the Zay Flowers touchdown. That was that was a tough scene. Tough scene for my fantasy matchup. Tough scene just for us Zay Flowers truthers who have been waiting for the big play. It's either he gets overthrown or it gets called back on some BS, and that that's what happened. So that was that was tough. It was tough side, so I'm sure we'll chat more about Zay Flowers here later today. <laughs> I intentionally was not going to talk about him, but as the thumbnail alludes to, as the, the graphic on the YouTube refers to, we're talking players we are thankful for today, Dalton. We each have three. We're also going to hand out a couple trophies, kind of like last week, maybe a couple repeats, maybe a couple new ones. Uh, and then we're going to start off, though, with good old-fashioned, who's that Pokemon? Uh, Dalton, do you want to start us off or do you want me to? I can get us started off here. It, mine won't be as fun as yours, I'm sure. But let's just get ripped and right into it with Who's That Pokemon? Who's That Pokemon? I'm going to try so. something different there and like let you read the hints and then me do that. But like I, I felt like that wasn't really taking. So so now I was waiting now, for it. Now you're teed up. There was no preparation there, and I was unprepared. <laughs> you should just read my mind next time. Thanks. It fell flat on its face, and that's a great hint leading into this Pokemon. <laughs> he is a quarterback in the NFC. Uh, he has played 93% of his snaps when active. He averages 26 pass plays a game. His average depth of target sits right at the league median at eight and a half yards per target. He has a fine 63% completion percentage, and he's only taken sacks on 12% of his dropbacks, which puts him in the bottom 20 of the NFL. Who's that Pokemon? So can I ask a, a clarifying question while, while you loudly snack over there? Um, 
<laughs> the 93% of the snaps while he's active, any chance the 7% that he didn't play was because he got hurt during a game? Or is it other? Like, is it Geno Smith is why I'm asking. Because he just got hurt and missed multiple drives in the fourth quarter. Uh, he did get hurt during a game. He is not Geno Smith. Okay. 93% of the snaps when active. What other – what NFC quarterback is, like, getting sub- – oh, is Derek Carr? No. You went south. This guy is north. I mean, I, I mean, I just thought, you know, Taysom Hill. Like, I've, I've just – that's all That's all I'm stuck on. I was trying to think of what quarterback is not playing every – Desmond Ritter, like – he got hurt in one game, and that's why he doesn't have a full 100% when active. I mean, I'm what? I'm like a, a fifth of the way there. I was just guessing the entire NFC. You are. I'll give you another hint, and this one will probably do it for you. His PPR rank right now among quarterbacks is 19th. When healthy, though, his rushing alone accounts for 38% of his total production. Justin Fields. It is Justin Fields. There we go. Bang. Yeah. Uh, Justin Fields surprisingly has better stats uh, than I thought when I looked at it. The Washington game really skews a lot of this, to be completely honest. With you. He he would have hit his over had he not gotten hurt in this multiple weeks, which is a really a really sad way for me to lose that that over under that we argued about before the season. Yes, I'm glad I won that one. Um, but not over yet. Not over <laughs> yet. Uh, but he played really well last week, and he actually looked like he's doing better. I don't know if you saw the main beat reporter for the Athletic for the Bears reported that Justin Fields is playing for his spot next year. It seems like a lot of people. Well, think- they're they're gonna have a top two pick, uh, maybe multiple top two picks. So, like, can you really pass up on Caleb Williams, Drake May? Like, can you pass up on both those guys in favor of Fields again? Yeah, could be really interesting to see what happens. Uh, he's playing better, and he looks like an every week fantasy starter with the way that landscape is shelling out again, which he didn't look like in the first three weeks of the season. It's going to be really fun when history just repeats itself with a different quarterback this offseason when the Bears have a top two pick. And, well, either the Bears just do or don't take, like, maybe the Bears will just not take somebody, which I think would be a mistake. Um, I think it's turning out to have been a mistake had they picked the right the right guys last time around too. Um, And then we're also going to have another corner of Twitter. That's like, please let the bears draft somebody and get Justin Fields to Atlanta. And then Atlanta's just going to not have any interest at all. I I can't wait for that. uh, That epilogue of the off season. Yeah. We'll have a nice round table of where will Justin Fields end up. And the answer will most likely be his second string quarterback on his own team. No, that's like he'll he'll be a starting quarterback next year. If they draft quarterback, we don't know. We don't know. Look, look at look around the league. We've talked about how bad quarterback play has been all year. You're telling me nobody is trading to get Justin Fields if the Bears draft a quarterback? I I would hope they would, but you never know with this league. I mean, nobody nobody was willing to go out and sign Lamar and look at Lamar now. Yeah, but if you'd be trading for him, he probably wouldn't be incredibly expensive. He's still on his rookie deal. Um, I mean, Tampa Bay, just off the top of my head. Obviously, Green Bay will never happen trade via, via trade, but but that would be obviously one that, like, in a Madden world makes sense. Uh, 
Let's think of the NFC West. NFC West is, I, you know, you know, you know what would happen is the the Rams would trade for him. He would be the backup. It'd be like the trade Lance Dak Prescott, <laughs> where it's like he gets traded to the Rams and he's a backup until Stafford retires. We I, just I, never I, get it. <laughs> oh God! All right, who is that Pokemon? Get a jump to mine here. Who's that Pokemon? So this running back, I'm not even going to give you conference yet because I feel like both of mine are kind of obvious based on hints, but I just wanted to talk about both of these players a little bit. Um, He played 85% of his team snaps last week. He had 15 rushes and six targets, uh, 21 total opportunities. And if you just look at – don't look at the raw numbers for this guy this year, but you have to look at, like, the efficiency stuff. He's first in yards after contact per attempt. He is second in explosive run rate, and he's first in first down rate rushing the ball this season. Since, go ahead. 15 rushes and six targets? Yeah. I think we have the same guy. Do we? Oh, just hold on. Let, let, let me just give these next couple, and we'll see if Johnny can get it. Um, since week eight, this guy has outsnapped his backfield mate, and he's run routes on over 50% of the team's dropbacks in each of those last four games. He's taken every two-minute drill snap in those. And Johnny, since, since Dalton, I, I Dalton is shaking his head, so I think we have the same one. Uh, he is in the NFC. And his backfield mate has outscored him this year, but he has outplayed him for the last month. Brian Robinson. No, it is not Brian Robinson. That would be everything. Well, mm-hmm. he Brad Robinson is a little bit over half the snaps, and he he is outscoring Antonio Gibson by quite a bit. Is it? No, it's not DeAndre Swift. His his rut. NFC NFC. Oh, okay. His his. I'll give you one last hint, and then Dalton, we can see if we have the same guy. His rush share, which it just his per, the percentage of rush plays that he is carrying the ball for the season is just at thirty three percent. So this guy, Gibbs. nope, not Jameer Gibbs. That's, that's a, a solid. That, that's a solid guess. That's a solid guess. But this this guy has not had very much volume until last week, and Jameer Gibbs definitely fits that bill. Except he he was about a week earlier coming on. Um, this last hit, well, and it's not even – I don't have the number off the top of my head, but he's, like, not inside the top 40 in, in RB scoring this year. It's got to be someone just worthless. <laughs> whoa. whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Tony Pollard. A funny guess, but no. Uh, this is Zach Charbonnet. Dalton, is that your guy? Yeah, it was Zach Charbonnet. When you said he had 21 touches last week, I was like, yeah, that that, that sounds like my guy. Yeah, and it, it was hard. Like, I couldn't say he's – because he's like RB, like 39. It's like, oh, if you know that if you know that he had, doesn't have that many points, like all these things, like, you know, it doesn't take too long. So I was trying to be careful with, with what hints I gave there. But, yeah, what's interesting about Charbonnet, obviously Kenneth Walker goes down. He's got the hip deal. Don't know how long he's out. Um, the volume could be very exciting because he has not been getting the rushing work until last week. He, he got it all basically without Kenneth Walker, but he has been playing all of the passing snaps, not all, but a majority of the passing snaps all season. They clearly trust him there. However, the bad thing 
is his next three games are San Fran, Dallas, and Philly. So, like, you want to get excited about Charbonnet because the volume is going to be there, but the matchups might be tough sledding. Yep. Yeah. It, it seems like it's there, but like you said, the matchups aren't there. He plays Dallas and San Francisco in his next two games. Mm-hmm. Not good, good fit. And then Geno Smith's health seems suboptimal, which is going to be even yeah. worse for that. Uh, his share. So I can't wait until next year when we get into a nice debate about whether or not he's good. Uh, and everybody forgets everything that occurred around the context of when he finally got his shot at a full-time role. Uh, but he looks primed. If you've listened to us and taken our advice and held him on your bench, you finally have a guy you could probably start every week. And if you yep. hope he gets a, a full workload of touches and then, I mean, any uh, running back that's getting 20 touches, which he may have and for as long as Kenneth Walker is out, like unless that guy is just trash, which he's not, um, you're you're just starting him and holding your breath at worst. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's super exciting uh, just to see what he can do. Uh, there are definitely some plays last week where Charbonnet did things that Kenneth Walker could probably do better. Like there are a couple of plays where he didn't make the safeties really stretch out, but yeah, he also I mean, was he, more he, efficient he, between he, the tackles. He doesn't have the yeah, exactly. He doesn't have the long speed, which is why it's kind of funny. His explosive rate is second. That must be like, I bet you he has a lot of 15 yard rushes and he, he probably like I, he, his long is probably like 25 yards. He can probably like, he probably has a large amount of runs uh, percent of his runs that is between 10 and 18 yards rushing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, he's, he's, he's never going to be the guy that takes the ball 80 yards unless the safeties crash down on the wrong side of the field. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, since that was your last one here, let me get my last one. Who's that Pokemon? So this is another one that that is kind of tough uh, to give hints for without just completely giving him away. Uh, this guy is a wide receiver. I will not say what conference and, and unless we need more narrowed down a little bit later on here. He just had a season high. 66% route participation last week, and he's seen his route participation increase in each of the last three weeks by a pretty substantial margin. Um, his A dot is almost 17, but he is third on his own team in the air yards, uh, but he has also only played about half the games. So I bet you if he took that on like a per game basis, his he, he may have like the most air yards per game um, on the team. He did have a touchdown call back two weeks ago. Otherwise, he'd probably have back-to-back weeks where it's like, oh, this guy scored double digits. Like, I'm feeling pretty good about him. But not multiple weeks, but just uh, just one week of, of scoring double digits in a row uh, at this point. This guy's biggest issue is drops in volume, 15% drop percentage, and 9% target share on the season. So he's a deep threat for sure. Kind of seems – and he, and he scored a touchdown this week. Uh, I didn't say he scored a touchdown. He got a touchdown callback two weeks ago. Otherwise, he would have had like back to back double digits. But he had double digits. He had double digits. Yes. Okay. I, I, I didn't say he did or did not score a touchdown. To be clear, third on his team in air yards. So there's probably two guys in front of him. Uh, wow! The- <laughs> Great guess. I'm working through this. Now. All right. Amazing. Listen. This step by step by step. You didn't give a division? Uh, no. Do, do you want a conference? Well, he's a deep threat who should be good. 
didn't play the full season and drops the ball a lot. Yeah, I think I think you I think you know who this is based on that. Well, I wanted to say Quentin Johnston. Oh no, I don't no. think it's Quentin Johnston. Not I think Quentin Johnston. I think it's another guy that we've really hoped for, haven't seen anything from for two years. Uh, Jameson Williams. Yes, it is Jameson Williams. Uh, I just wanted to talk about him a little bit because he did just score a touchdown. Um, I was right, <laughs> and, and, and and he's had. Uh, some games where he scored touchdowns before, obviously. Who can forget last year he had one catch for whatever, 40 yards and a touchdown. But what is encouraging is the route participation, like up to 66%. And even the week before that, he was in the, I think it was like mid to low 50s. He was down the 30s before that. And it, and it was like, it was like Kadarius Tony level usage and snap shares. And so that is going up. And if you just uh, do a Google uh, out there on, there's on, no way you just said do a Google. Do a Google on <laughs> Jamison Williams, and what you will find is a nice story on the Athletic and a nice story on ESPN, where Dan Campbell seems pretty pleased with with kind of how he's finding his footing. Um, if you go look at David Montgomery's 75 yard touchdown run against the Chargers, that does not happen without Jamison Williams. Uh, throwing a block, catching back up to the play, and throwing a massive block towards the very end of it. Uh, so I, not that that obviously equates to fantasy, but it, what it is doing, I think, is getting him on the field. He's getting more opportunities, and I kind of think we're building to a potential nice finish for Jamie Williams to this season. Yeah, well, and a lot of that's come to the detriment of Josh Reynolds, yeah. who was – I mean, he was a top 30 wide receiver in the first six weeks of the season, mm-hmm. pretty consistently scoring, and his uh, snap share has dropped off consistently. Uh, in addition to that, last week was a little anomalous for that Detroit Lions team that got blown up by the Bears for three quarters and then came mm-hmm. back. Uh, but Jameson Williams, that touchdown was pretty impressive. He well, the fact that, that the fact that he was in the 50s in, snap, in route participation the yeah. week before that, too. So it wasn't just that game. Yeah, and then he even turned around to catch the touchdown. Yes. Was nice. That was a good play from a guy whose his coach was calling bonehead. Um, <laughs> so it's it's getting there. We are finally getting there. The Jameson Williams breakout may be upon us. And who knew Jared Goff would be the one to deliver it? <laughs> Oh, Jared Goff. Boy, talk about weird starts. He just, like, could not not throw interceptions for a solid hour. For the um, first time this season, basically. Yeah, and it's like, uh, I I didn't bet on the lines to cover the spread, but I had a parlay where I had Detroit minus two and a half. And I was really, and I ended up hitting, I was really good. I was like, how am I going to lose this by the Lions losing at home to the Bears? Like, come on. Oh, man. Yeah, it could be Jameson Williams season. Maybe a little fantasy uh, league winner, Somerset. Maybe not league winner, but he could have <laughs> a, a, a nice little finish. And he does have that kind of upside uh, just based on pedigree. Uh, so we can see. We do have a couple questions uh, in the chat that we can get to here. First from Chandler, who Chandler, by the way, did guess Zach Charbonnet in the chat right before uh, he was said. So shout out Chandler for that. Um, he said Burrow was his quarterback. He unfortunately died. Uh, true, our- true. Traded Justin Fields and Mike Evans for Josh Allen and Terry McLaurin. Thoughts on that deal and also Josh Allen's bye is the first week of the playoffs. Mm, that's tough. That that must mean he has like a, a a double like a double match like a double week playoffs where every week is two every matchup is two weeks or maybe it's just a bigger league. Um, yeah, that that's tough on the bye weeks. Uh, 
Uh, I don't know that that's that's kind of tough. I actually think feel like I don't know how big of a difference we're going to have between Fields and Josh Allen down the stretch. So I think, unfortunately, I I like the side that you traded away more than what you got back, especially given the bye week. But I, I do like Terry. Obviously, Josh Allen's awesome. So I don't think this is like a, a home run either way for either person. Yeah, no, I like getting Josh Allen. I mean, he's number one right now in QB scoring, in points per game, and in total scoring. Number one player. Um, and that that offense seems electric, and that defense is so bad that they're going to continue to have to put up 24, 31 points a game to stay in it, which I think they're more than capable of. Um, just you know the bye week is now, so you got to plan ahead and see what matchups are favorable for those waiver quarterbacks and hold. Well, he is planning ahead because now he's he's asking later on, well, should he trade Amari Cooper and James Conner for Amandre Stevenson and Brock Purdy? That would give him a rental for that week. Uh, so he doesn't have to start uh, Bryce or, or Minshew, or I'm assuming Bryce Young is that second name. And the answer to that is yes. We both like selling Amari Cooper. You know, Connor is fine, but I, I kind of think Stevenson could be in for a better finish than the year he's had so far. It's been about as bad as possible. Not that that offense is going to get a ton better, but, you know, it, it's been slowly getting better for Stevenson down the stretch here. Yeah, no, I think it'll continue to get better for him, but I don't mind looking ahead and doing that trade and kind of insulating your quarterback room. Another question from George Play01. Uh, for this week, Tua or Justin Fields? Uh, Dalton, do you know who the Bears play? I know, obviously, uh, the Dolphins get the Jets on Black Friday, first ever Black Friday game. Yes, uh, and I'm selling everything I can to not watch that game. Uh, <laughs> the Bears get Minnesota, so I think – I would probably start the field side of that. Me too. Uh, I I know they got lit up this week, but I don't think the Jets' defense is at all bad. And what they do best is pressure, and what Tua does worse with is pressure. So it's really the two things you don't want to see. Well, and the, that Dolphins' offense is just like – it's kind of being overshadowed because the Chiefs' offense is doing it to a bigger extreme right now, but they are uh, slowing down. Right, right now to a, to a pretty pretty big degree. Part of that schedule, part of that is teams adjusting. So yeah, I'm I'm on that field side as well. All right, do we want to go to guys we're thankful for, and then close out with the trophies, or do we want to do trophies? My thought process is I think both. I think we're gonna be more of a negative tone with the trophies, and obviously, guys we're thankful for is more of a positive way to close out the Thanksgiving pod, but I'll let you pick. Yeah, let's get the negative out of the way here. Let's eat our veggies first before we have dessert and okay. talk about some, some bad moments with these trophies here. Okay. All right. Uh, I will let you go first. Uh, you let me know when you've got your drop trophy coming up here. Sweet. I'll, I'll go ahead and start with a rehash of last week with the You Are Not Serious People trophy okay. from Secession. If you're basing the clip, I think we'll probably add that because I think it's a weekly one I enjoy. <laughs> uh, in preparation, this trophy was going to go to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, congrats. You fired Matt Canada this morning. So you... How did we copy a trophy? How did we well, pull they, this off? They a trophy and a who's that Pokemon? They don't get it. I'm not giving it to him because oh, I fired good. Matt okay. Canada. I have gone ahead and said you're serious enough for the moment. First time since 1941 they have fired a coach in season. That says a lot about Matt Canada. <laughs> okay, shut up. I've got a lot to say about that later. Okay. What's your actual uh, trophy? 
but this trophy goes to the Tennessee Titans. Uh, first of all, Ryan Tannehill requesting to be released uh, and watching the entire fantasy community scream for him to go to the Jets was fun <laughs> on Twitter Sunday morning. Uh, but this team lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars 34 to 14 in an absolute blowout fest. In that game, they gave Derrick Henry 10 touches. In losses this season, Derrick Henry is averaging 11 touches a game. Uh, and they simply are refusing to utilize him in any way whatsoever, despite the paycheck, despite the fact that underlying stats, he on his targets per route run, he's having a career high, which doesn't say a lot because he doesn't run a lot of routes. But he's still 19th in the league in offensive success rate behind the 32nd ranked offensive line. He is still an efficient runner, and they are simply refusing to put the ball into his hands while they let Will Levis, who since his week his first outburst has not been a strong player, uh, put the game in his hands. Their success rate with Derrick Henry on the field is substantially higher than their success rate off the field. So do I set on the third wise, or is that – I think you muted yourself, Evan. I said that's it. That's that's mine. I'm getting mine ready. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but all in all, just looking at the Tennessee Titans, they're not playing serious football. And between the fantasy hope of Derrick Henry and I know DeAndre Hopkins ended up having a touchdown, this this team is in full fade territory for every player, including Derrick Henry, who was a very high pick in fantasy drafts and somebody we've relied on for so many years. Well, what's frustrating is the one thing that Will Levis is still doing well is throwing the deep ball. So you would think the way that they would get him comfortable and help him find success would be to establish Derrick Henry and go play action shots over the top. Like that, that would be the formula that was their formula, you know, forever with Tannehill, except it was, uh, more like the the deep crossers instead of the 40-yard bombs that, that Levis uh, can throw out there. But, like, I don't really know why that just isn't the formula. It feels like they're throwing too much at what Levis, which I get wanting to see what he can do. But you also want to kind of give the guy a chance and give him some some layups, help him find a rhythm so maybe he can do do some of those other things that they're asking of him right now and that is not going very well at, at the moment to the detriment of like you said everybody in this offense god dang it i can't believe i just did that again <laughs> yeah well and the, the worst part about it is normally when a running back starts seeing a decline in usage like the backfield made is exciting tajay spears is a very exciting player we really yes. like him but they're also not using him like yeah. he'll be on the field they won't use him so it's this like running back by committee where neither running back is getting any work, but they're willing to go out there and throw seven times to Kyle Phillips. And it, it's really not conducive to fantasy and it's not conducive to winning games. And then you just top it all off with a touchdown to Jeffrey Simmons. Those big man touchdowns are fun when the team is playing well mm-hmm. and it, they are not fun when you're yeah. trotting out these trick plays and you're not you're, playing well. You're, you're down multiple touchdowns and you're uh, you're throwing a touchdown to your defensive tackle. That that was like the ultimate screw you to to fantasy football managers. Know. Which I you know what? To, Maybe that's where Arthur Smith gets it from. I was going to say, I swear to God, Arthur Smith phoned a friend, <laughs> Mike Frankel, and was like, "I need your help. These guys are at my throat. I need you to take them off me." 
Uh, and that that's what Mike Vrabel did. So, I mean, they're just not serious people in Tennessee, and they don't know which way they're going to build. They're, it's, it's a terrible situation, and I hope Derrick Henry finds – Finds peace when he retires because his career is over. <laughs> okay, for my trophy that I've completely given away in multiple ways at this point, <laughs> the Buddy the Elf, you sit on a Throne of Lies trophy. Throne of Lies. We'll do that one again. You sit on a Throne of Lies. This is the one that Matt Canada has the, um, the great honor of receiving on this day. Of his firing. And the reason why he gets this trophy is because what what did this man do to convince Mike Tomlin, one of the better coaches in the NFL, never been below 500, been the Pittsburgh head coach for what, what is it, like on year 16, 17, probably at this point? What has he done to convince Mike Tomlin that he deserved three, two, two and a half years? before he was ultimately let go. Like, after the first season, and really during the first season, but especially after the first season, we all knew. We all knew that this guy is terrible. All he – jet sweeps, throw to the outside. Like, this guy calls a high school offense. And he he said something – it was about a month ago – that was just triggering to me, triggering to Steelers fans – Triggering to any fantasy football managers who who may have come across this. He said that their offense, quote, just isn't built to come back from deficits. It's like, no, actually, you have one of the best 15 receivers in the NFL. You have one of the best 10 tight ends in the NFL. You have George Pickens, who, you know, we're not the biggest fans of, but he is a perfectly good wide receiver, too, on the NFL offense. You even have Najee Harris, who's like a, an okay running back. You have Jayla Warren, which just shout out to that guy, man. PFF's finest uh, this season. Jayla Warren finally getting uh, a little bit of a larger role. And that's another thing where it's like maybe we don't want Jayla Warren getting 80% of the touches. We, we don't know if we do or not. Um, but I can tell you what, anybody on the planet could have told you that he should be getting more than seven rushes a game, which is what he'd been getting for the last year and a half until the last two weeks. And what has he done over a hundred yards a game, bust a 75 yard run where, by the way, at some point in the beginning of the fourth quarter of that game, I heard the announcer say that the Steelers had 165 total yards and 75 of them were the Jalen Warren touchdown run, just inept offense with great weapons and a quarterback who, you know, We've never, like, none of us are buying Kenny Pickett as a good NFL starter. I am, however, not buying Kenny Pickett is this bad. This is via Warren Sharp. He is the only non-rookie quarterback to go four consecutive games of 160 or fewer passing yards since 2012 besides Christian Ponder. That is how bad it's been. He's never had a top 12 fantasy football scoring game at the quarterback position. They have been outgained as an offense every game this season, yet they are above 500 somehow, or maybe right around it. I've lost track at this point. 28th in points per game, 28th in yards per game, 31st in passing yards per game. Like, 
No games of 400 plus passing yards in the two and a half years of Matt Canna. One game of 300 plus passing yards. Think about that. Think about that. One game in two and a half years of 300 plus passing yards in today's NFL. I know offenses are slowing down this year a little bit, but that is still crazy. Two games of 30 plus points. This is the wildest one to me. Seven games of two or more passing touchdowns. Like just absolutely inept offense. I, I am so happy all of those guys are free. How much better will it get with Kenny Pickett at quarterback? I think remains to be seen, but I think it will get better because this guy was bad in college, failed his way up, and was terrible the entire time as the OC. And you know what? Wh- whatever throne of lies his resume was that got him this job, like it should have been seen through from the get go. Yeah, well, I don't know if you saw Mike Tomlin's presser today when they asked him what he wanted to see out of the offense, and his response was, I just want to see more points. Like, <laughs> I mean, it, it got so bad. We, I've already seen the video by now of – Chris Boswell? Matt, yes, of Chris Boswell, yes. where Matt Cannon is walking to the locker room, and he's celebrating, and he's like, I don't know why you're celebrating. You didn't do this. Uh, <laughs> this wasn't because of you. Is what yeah, this wasn't me. because of you. I, I sent this to you earlier, but there's a clip of a – it's a very clear – swing route by Jalen Warren where the three wide receivers on the, the left side of the field are supposed to block for him and they all three run routes and mm-hmm. Jalen Warren catches the swing pass gets tackled for a loss <laughs> uh and that is like the ultimate ineptitude at the NFL where it's supposed to be pristine and clean and they are doing the opposite of that Deontay Johnson had a crosser down the middle of the field where he was wide open and Kenny Pickett didn't even look his way part of that's on Pickett but it is so difficult to justify the level of failure that this offense consistently puts on film. Yeah. And uh, this is funny because I saw this earlier. The two 30-point games the Steelers had under Matt Canada, both of them had multiple defensive scores. Oh, I'm sure. I, I would have bet everything I owned that that was the case. It's so incredibly bad. Uh, I, I just – Gardner Minshew this year has more passing touchdowns than Kenny Pickett in two years. Like, and Gardner Minshew hasn't played a full season this year. It, it There is no justifying what he did. And the fact that it took two and a half years, the first year I kind of get because a lot of the speculation was that Big Ben wouldn't do play action. He didn't want all this fancy motion in the yeah. offense. Uh, but it turned out it wasn't Big Ben. It turned out it was Matt Canada. Well, I'm like, he still doesn't have a good quarterback, but you cannot have a good quarterback and still – like you have great weapons. It is possible to have a competent offense with this quarterback and these weapons. Instead, in his two and a half years, they score under 20 points 28 times. Like it, it it's just it's mind blowing. It's mind blowing. Nathaniel Hackett, you're next. <laughs> and then uh, uh, coming for Stanley uh, out in LA next after that. Yeah. Yeah. One by one, they go down. All right, Dalton, your next one coming up here. You want to uh, tell us what the name of it first is, and I will give you the drop. This is the Doe Award from Homer Simpson. It goes to this goes to the uh, weekly player who just kind of left it out on the field when it was all there for them. Uh, we alluded to this a little bit earlier. <laughs> is going to our boys at Flowers. It was not his fault. Well, if you notice, there are seven toes in that one, and that was done intentionally because uh, Zay Flowers leads the league in touchdowns that were either dropped or called back on a penalty with seven. 
this season, Zay Flowers has had multiple opportunities to break open. Uh, he's been very consistent. Fantasy. And, and that's like not 11 even probably, nine points a week. That's not even probably including uh, Lamar Jackson has missed him on two long touchdown passes. Yeah, doesn't even include those. Um, but seven times this guy has missed out on the opportunity. He's either been in the end zone, there's been a flag on the field, or it's been a drop pass credited to Zay that more than likely would have led to a touchdown in multiple of these situations. And I think that's only happened twice that I can remember. Like I, I think a handful of those are penalties. Yeah, I don't have the splits, but that would be a two to seven. Um, and it just – it's so, so close there for Zay Flowers' breakout. He's had a fine year. I, I would probably call it like almost a Tyler Boyd-esque year where you, you know you're getting nine points, you know you're getting yeah. 11 points, and that's about what it is. With the Mark Andrews injury, we're going to probably see this this offense change the way yeah. they, they use their receivers, and maybe that will come to the credit of Zay Flowers. But just for fantasy managers' sake, can he just have that one week he breaks out and he gets that touchdown and we, we can finally feel good about him in our starting lineups? Well, don't worry. All that needs to happen is he goes on my bench. Calvin Ridley last week to the bench, you know what he does? 28 points. Zay Flowers to the bench this week. It's happening this week, folks. So you guys can fire up Zay Flowers. I'll take one for the team and and put him on the bench this week. And, you know, it's not just him. The, the most frustrating thing about just all of it to me is that you have Zay. I think he finished with – it was like five for 43 or something like that. Should have been uh, six for 100 and a touchdown. Um, then you also have, you have Rashad Bateman who catches one touchdown. He should have had another 50 yard touchdown down the sideline. So he could have gone like two for 65 and two touchdowns. Um, instead we get four for 113 for Odell Beckham Jr. While these two young receivers who, who we both like are just have points left out on the field that were, were not their fault. So it's just, uh, just frustrating in that regard for both of those guys. Well, then on the callback touchdown for Bateman, uh, the next play is the same crosser, but it's Nelson Aguilar and he scores the touchdown. Yeah. Uh, And and the ball got tipped and then he caught it in stride. So it, it was a very weird play. Yeah, just incredibly frustrating uh, amongst those two and the Baltimore Ravens offense, which we were so right about. Just the producers, we were a little off on. <laughs> uh, I still don't think we're wrong about that. It's just been a string of horrific luck, especially for, say, Flowers, which you just talked about. Worthy of the award, no doubt. All right, my next one is a repeat from last week. This is the Chris Traeger Stop Pooping Trophy. Stop pooping. This goes to none other than our hometown team, the Kansas City Chiefs, our offense, specifically our receivers. We've all seen the stats. Zero points in the second half since October 22nd. I know there's a bye week in there. That is still three full second halves where they have not scored. Uh, Justin Watson, 11 targets on Monday night. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, also 11 targets like that. He's getting a alpha wide receiver one type of looks. Uh, and he is obviously not producing alpha wide receiver one type of numbers. Multiple drops, multiple mistakes. Uh, MVS dropped what would have been the game winning touchdown. We all saw that. And we've just we've talked about this ad nauseum just amongst the three of us. But. I just cannot for the life of me understand playing those guys, the snaps that they are, and playing them like together out on the field 
so much too on top of that because they're very similar players with a very narrow skill set of strengths and all of the same weaknesses and the strengths are also the same they can both you know get open deep they're they're both good deep threat guys if they um actually finish the route and then you know god forbid catch the ball after they do after they do that um but they can both do that, and neither one can separate quickly, separate over the middle, separate versus man coverage on anything but a, a flyer post, basically. And why this is an issue outside of just us being Chiefs fans is, like, you have other guys who could be producing good fantasy days who are suffering in Rasheed Rice, in Kadarius Tony, and then just, like, obviously the offense as a whole. It's hurting Mahomes. It's hurting Kelsey. It's hurting Pacheco. Like, these are three guys that you should be starting and for the most part having good days, like good to great days. And that's just not happening because his offense is just so stuck in the mud right now. Like Rasheed Rice last night, Monday night played 57% of the snaps, which is fine. It's more than he was earlier in the season, but that was also his lowest since week six. What on God's grip, like why coming out of the bye, this guy's clearly been the bright spot in this terrible receiver room this year, why is he playing 57% of the snaps? And like, you just can't start him with any confidence because he's not getting any real targets, like a, a real targets. It is all at the last scrimmage, very short stuff. Like this is a guy who was 15 or 16 yards a catch in college. He was doing a lot of the stuff that we want to see him doing in this offense in college. And he's just not been used like that. And you know, you you just can't you can't you're taking basically a Russian roulette uh, chance by starting him until we actually see him do that sort until we see him have a good game where it's actual legit receiver stuff, which I'm pretty sure he can do. And then you just have like Tony, who you're obviously not starting. He's probably not on your roster. This is just mainly frustration for me at this point. He plays 28 percent of the snaps after uh, I would bet half of that was on the first drive. Um, and after you get Aikman and Joe Buck saying, oh, we just got the impression he's going to be more involved this week. And then he just wasn't for almost the entire game after that. And 28% of the snaps was his most since week six as well. And he, I mean, his snaps are just comical. If you go and look through his, uh, his game log, then you have guys like MVS and Sky Moore who have combined to run almost 800 routes this season and have 39 receptions between the two of them to show for it. That That is impossible. <laughs> that is impossible to do. MVS was almost half the snaps last night, which was actually a season low. So maybe uh, we're seeing a trend. We're going to see a trend there. He obviously did not help prove that he should get more snaps. But Justin Watson, 63% tied for a season high, which he also did against the Jets. Just out of curiosity, if I asked you, to name the Chiefs' best offensive game that was not the Chicago Bears this season because that game just wasn't real. What what game would you say? Is it the Lions game or the Chargers game? I mean, I just ask, like, your opinion. Just, just your opinion. Uh, probably what, the Chargers game. Like, Justin Watson was injured, didn't play that game. Just food for thought. Just food that for thought. Um <laughs> Yeah, well, the worst part, Mahomes, 26% of his passes have been dropped. Sorry, 26% of his incompletions were drop passes mm-hmm. this season. It's uh, actually, no, is- I, it's 21% of his incompletions, but 26 total drops, which yes. that 26 is 
first in the NFL by five. The Jets are second with 21. Yes. And most of those will just are Al Lazard, which yes. they should have there. But it, obviously the biggest fantasy hit has been to Mahomes. He has not been like a consistent quarterback one or what mm-hmm. he made most of the points last night on the ground. And then like even more frustrating is the team comes out and they play inept in the entire second half and they had the most rushing yards in the first half that the, the Eagles have allowed. In the yeah. And this, they run it nine times the second half, and you would have expected like a Pacheco game if they're going to be doing well there. But all of the fantasy contributors, Sands, Kelsey, and Mahomes, aren't even being involved in the offense any longer. And there's really no explanation from the coaching staff as to why that is going. And I know both you and I are pretty involved with the Casey sports writers, and the majority of them also have no explanation for yeah. involvement from uh, "Quote unquote better players." Yeah, main, mainly uh, it's the it's Tony and Rice, and both those guys need to be on the field more and getting the ball more, and and that has been a discussion happening for weeks. It came to a definite boiling point last night. I know Tony cost them the game in Week One. It was about as bad as it can be. But we're in Week Twelve. He, I don't think he's had drops since then. Now he hasn't had a ton of opportunities, but like. You know, what are MVS and Justin Watson doing to earn all these opportunities? It's frustrating for those guys from a fantasy perspective. And like I said, frustrating because it's holding this offense back, hurting Mahomes, who you took probably in the third round, hurting Kelsey. And I I think also Kelsey's just not healthy, which is not helping things either. But yeah, just frustrating. Chiefs have definitely earned the, the stop pooping trophy for this week. Yeah, absolutely terrible. Well, I think that wraps our bat up. Yeah, let's go to players we're thankful for, Dalton. Uh, Easy transition here. Uh, A painful one, actually. Uh, Players we're thankful for. I'm going to go with Tyreek Hill to start start us off. Uh, Everybody knows how good he's been this season, but we just really haven't talked about it that much because it's obvious. Like, you're starting Tyreek Hill. If you can trade for him, you're trading Tyreek Hill. There's not really much advice there. But – this is a chance for me just to kind of shout out a couple guys who have been awesome this year and who I'm thankful for. He has double digits in eight of his 10 games this year. He has 20 or more points in seven of his 10 games this year. He's at 21 and a half points per game, which is a full two more points per game than Keon Allen, who is the wide receiver two this year. Uh, Cooper Cup's triple crown year a couple years ago, he was at 21.6 points per game. And just for perspective, last year, Justin Jefferson was at 17.9 points per game and if you look at the last decade it's pretty much between 16 and 19 points per game in most years 2020 Devonte adams 21.5 points per game and then cooper cup in 2021 and now tyree kill if he continues those will be the only three guys to average 20 or more points per game at the receiver position in the last decade so like what he's doing is historic he's on pace for over 2,000 yards right now 2077 to be exact uh calvin johnson's record 1964 he is on pace to break that quite easily if he if he's able to stay healthy and it's not even just a 17 versus 16 games thing calvin johnson was 122.8 yards per game tyree kill right now 122.2 so he is like right there on calvin johnson's pace i honestly think this should be the year that an MVP goes to a non-quarterback. And I think Tyree Kill is the leader of the pack as far as that goes. 
Yeah, some fun facts too. Post buy, Tyreek Hill's already had his buy. He's second in all scoring amongst all players. The mm-hmm. only player above him is Josh Allen, uh, and the only player who hasn't had his buy, by the way. And as mm-hmm. a quarterback, he's outscoring. And then below him is Christian McCaffrey, who's also had his buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so absolute stud there. Somehow you nailed like a CMC Tyreek Hill build on your team. You are yes. living. Yes. Uh, he also has as many offensive touchdowns as the New York Jets do, <laughs> uh, which is also really hilarious. And in all, uh, even with that tough Dolphin schedule we've talked about, uh, he is probably on pace to be the wide receiver one to set multiple records in mm-hmm. the NFL. And uh, I mean, there's no, there's nothing you can say about it. It's the most solid player in the entire fantasy landscape right now, other than CMC. Yeah, and and even CMC, like I'd have to go look at his game log. I don't think he has scored twenty or more points seven times. Like he no. he's had more games where he's been in the like fifteen to to eighteen point range than Tyree Kill. I think. Yeah, it's it's just inevitable Tyree Kill at this point. Yep. All right, your first guy. Uh, my first guy is Zay Jones. This is an extension of. <laughs> Calvin Ridley. Uh, I'm thankful for Zay Jones because he makes starting and sitting Calvin Ridley the most predictable and easy fantasy piece of advice I can give anybody. In the four games with Zay Jones, Calvin Ridley averages eight catches, 101 yards, and a touch. Or sorry, he averages six catches, 90 yards, and a 0.75 touchdown. So almost exactly a touchdown game. Without him, three catches, 36 yards, and 0.17. For touchdowns. Yeah, uh, and, and Ridley has four 100-yard games this season. Three of those are with Zay Jones in the lineup. Zay Jones has played four games this year. Yep. Um, so as long as Zay Jones is healthy, Calvin Ridley gets way better usage. Disregard the fact that Zay Jones was off the field for the Calvin Ridley touchdown this this week uh, because what matters is that they let – we three weeks ago, Evan showed the graph. They were consistently throwing to Calvin Ridley on the hashes. When Zay Jones is in, they use Calvin Ridley in the middle of the field, which is where he excelled with the Atlanta Falcons, which is where he's excelling with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Unfortunately, I think Doug Peterson just doesn't have the personnel to work anybody else outside, which is why we suddenly see Jamal Agnew getting all these down the middle targets and everybody's losing their minds. Uh, So every week, Zay Jones is active. Every week, I would then put Calvin Ridley in the top 15 wide receiver conversation. Every week, Zay Jones is inactive. I would put him outside the top 30. It's a pretty cut and dry uh, on-off split, and at this point, I'm pretty comfortable with it. It's only four games of data, but I think the routes, the targets, as well as the route trees on next-gen stats all really confirm what the data is saying, which is a healthy Zay Jones is good for Calvin Ridley, and an unhealthy Zay Jones is bad for Calvin Ridley. And by extension, it's healthy for this entire Jacksonville offense. Trevor Lawrence had the best game of his year last week with Zay Jones in the lineup. He's just a very consistent producer for what they need and the style of offense they're running. Uh, So I'm incredibly excited to see that he might be back to full health and we could be heading towards a fantasy finish where if you were patient with Calvin Ridley and if you were patient with Trevor Lawrence, you could be rewarded for that patience. So this is Calvin Ridley uh, this last week. Uh, On the surface, it may not look as much different as you would have thought. But look at where some of these start. Yeah. Number, you know, in the slot, uh, even some of these that end up on the outside, they're deep overs. Uh, they're starting from the slot. They're out routes. You see multiple out routes. This was not what his chart looks like for the full season. Like, I, I wonder if I could go back and find one. Yeah, you like, see the weak filter. I think that'll give it to you. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I want to just like go. 
Oh, here we go. I want to know what that. I don't know, remember what week that Saints game was. Oh, this is gonna okay. This is gonna be a process. I can do it though. Hold on. You keep talking. Yeah, I. I also think that we're heading towards a really good place. The Jaguars. I know he didn't miss any time, but Trevor Lawrence did get hurt on a play five weeks ago, and I think it really hampered him. And he's slowly been working back to full health. And it, it has been a tough ride for Trevor Lawrence truthers in the NFL, obviously starting with uh, the coaching debacle his first year. And since then, he only has one 300-yard game. Uh, but the fantasy production is starting to pick up, and this entire Jacksonville offense is starting to pick up. We're starting to see a little more of what we're going to get out of it. Uh, so back to you know locking in Calvin Ridley in my weekly lineups and feeling incredibly good about where we're going from here on out with with him. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know what to do on on next gen stats. Um, I am only able to pull individual games from only a couple games, uh, and it's different games for different guys. And all three of Ridley's individual games are games that Zay Jones has played. Uh, so, so that, so that's not helpful. What I did see on next gen stats, and I'm glad I did because I, I this guy, he's not on uh, any of my lists because I thought he might be on one of yours. But I did want to shout out Jaden Reed, and I did just see him. On next gen stats, you realize he was the fastest ball carrier in the NFL this week on his rushing touchdown, twenty one point five two yards or uh, miles per hour. That is insane. Seventy nine percent route participation was a season high. Fourteen percent target share, three rushes, no Aaron Jones at least for a little bit, maybe a little bit more involved on the ground. Uh, he did pop that. up on the injury report. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, I, I well, we'll see. I, I would have to. To see if that actually like keeps them keeps them out, but yeah, could could be a nice little finish for for Jaden Reed. Shout out Jaden Reed. Anyway, second guy I am thankful for is none other than Amon Ra St. Brown. Like he's got to be the most under the radar elite fantasy football player there is, and I don't say under the radar as in people don't know he's good because everybody knows he's good, everybody loves him, but people love him. But then he's ranked as like the wide receiver eight in in weekly ranks. And even if he's ranked at the wide receiver five, it kind of feels like, oh, if Jamar Chase was not a buy or, you know, whatever, like he'd be immediately bumped down a couple more spots. But all this guy has done this season is do a wide receiver six year through 11 weeks. That is with his bye week and with missing a game due to injury, if you just look at points per game, he is the wide receiver four ahead of guys like Stefan Diggs, like A.J. Brown. I, I bet you – like A.J. Brown had five weeks of 125 or more receiving yards, set an NFL record, and he is averaging fewer points per game, just barely, but fewer points per game than Amon Ross St. Brown. And it, I think the reason why he's just not thought of that way is he, he doesn't do it like those other elite guys. It's more in the Cooper Cup mold where even 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 with cup it's not quite the target percentage like the target percent the target percentage is great the target share is great but it's 28 percent. it's not above 30 percent. it's not that top two or three it's more like i think he's the 11th highest in in target share in the nfl air yards are 31 percent, which is just a tick lower than adam Thielen. so like there's nothing sexy about the way amon ross st brown gets the job done but he's been above 70 yards in all but one game this season. 
the one time he wasn't was that Green Bay game where they literally threw the ball like three times in the second half because they were ahead by so much. And he was still the wide receiver 13 that week because he scored a touchdown. He has one finish outside the top 20 this season, and that was because he fumbled the ball. He still had over 100 yards in in that game. He's had double-digit scoring in every game this year. He might be the most consistent player, position player in fantasy football this season. Yeah, and I think part of it is he plays like this big slot role, so it's not as exciting as some of the outside receivers. Uh, but, I mean, it's all there, and he's doing it with Jared Goff at quarterback, um, which before this year I think a lot of people would have papawed at. So it's exciting. They would have what at? They would have pop off. What does it mean to pop off uh, something? Ha ha, laughed at it, whatever. I think uh, he made poo pooed. Yeah, I mean poo pooed. I do. <laughs> uh, but just like we're poo pooing him, I think he's he's here to stay. And as a sixth round pick, he's just a, an absolute steal for that Lions team. Yeah. And he, like you said, I mean, he's just Mr. Consistent at the position consistently gets above seven targets, consistently gets above 50 yards, and consistently finds the end zone when they're there. Even on a run-heavy team in the red zone, he's getting the touchdowns. So there's no negatives about it. And I would be he'll probably be a player who's not ranked in the top 12 next year for picks, but should be at least in that conversation. Yeah, I mean, you said touchdowns. And he has five, which is good, but not unsustainable. Like, it's not like he has touchdowns propping him up to an unsustainable uh, degree. He he is just very workmanlike, just getting the job done. And yeah, he, I don't know what else to say about this guy other than that. He is awesome. And he, it's just the, like as someone who has him on my team, it, it's just the best feeling to know that this guy every week this year, so far, you can count on him for a very good to great type of game. Yeah. Well, I'll go into my next guy, um, who's not a fantasy contributor this year, but most certainly will be a fantasy contributor next year. And it is Ohio State's Marvin Harrison. (laughs) We finally got to the thumbnail, the Marvin Harrison in the thumbnail at the 58-minute mark. So go ahead and explain yourself. Okay. First of all, in a loaded draft, there's a legitimate argument for the Bears, who might have the raw number one pick, to take a non-quarterback when there are two, what many believe to be generational quarterbacks prospects in Drake May and Caleb Williams. But there's also a fun game that I found on Twitter. Normally when fan bases and teams are bad, you Twitter search that name of that team and the top quarterback prospect, and they're all tweeting them in jerseys. If you Twitter search Marvin Harrison, there are Packers fans, like imagine Jordan Love throwing to this guy. There are Giants <laughs> fans, imagine Daniel Jones throwing to this guy. Every fan base that is in the top 10, I saw, imagine Aiden O'Connell throwing to this guy. <laughs> Never mind the fact that he's Devontae Adams. He's totally <laughs> serious people excited about the prospect of Marvin Harrison Jr. joining the team. Uh, so I went and just gave myself a little gander at him this season. He's first nationally in 70-yard-plus receptions second nationally in touchdown receptions second nationally in 100 yard receiving games he currently is in the lead for consecutive games with multiple touchdowns with three he has six consecutive games with touchdown and he's also the first ohio state buckeye with back-to-back 1000 yard seasons and is in the lead at ohio state for 100 yard receiving games and that is incredible considering the caliber and pedigree of wide receiver that has come out of Ohio State 
the last couple of years. I mean, you have Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, Chris Olave, just Terry McLaurin, just to name a few players who are legitimate alpha wide receivers. And it is going – I don't see how no matter where he ends up, he doesn't very quickly become a second-round pick, which would be almost unheard of for a rookie wide receiver. Um, and it's just going to be the most exciting offseason to see where he ends up and then to see him in the NFL. This guy is the size of Megatron and moves like Jamison Williams – I will be very excited when his combine measurables come out because I have a feeling that for a 6'4", 225-pound wide receiver, he's going to move much quicker than that. I, I just, We'll see how much he does at the combine. He, yeah, it's it, not it, like he's going to have to do anything. And just the last thing on this, he's done all of this with Kyle McCord at quarterback who is – I mean, he sucks. He's, he's just, bad. He's bad. I, I'll, I'll, I'll just – he sucks. And – he also has been injured multiple times this season and has still continued to be a producer and just to be an absolute dog. And I'm so thankful that he will enter the NFL alongside Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and immediately be thrust into that dynasty wide receiver one conversation. Yeah. I mean, he's right there with Jamar Chase as a prospect uh, from everything yeah. everybody says. Um, yeah. I, I don't have much more to add to that other than he's awesome. I can't wait to have to to do the the Bijan thing again, where we have to 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 damp the be the wet blanket, because like you said, I think he probably is going to be like a I don't is it crazy to think someone's going to want to take him twelve overall? You know, someone's yeah. going to want to do it. I mean, just go back to the other guy, twelve overall next year, Almond St. Brown or Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, and it's like. He if, if he gets taken in the top five, which he should, um, and I think he probably will. If, if he's on the the Giants, if he's on uh, the Bears, you know maybe the, the Patriots. Up. Yeah, Patriots. Like if if he's on a team with a terrible quarterback, which unless he gets paired up with the Bears draft pick, that is probably going to happen. Um, we we are going to have a a case of great prospect who we hope can be a great player right away, but we're not, sh you know, we never know how quickly that stuff is going to translate. Like JSN, he's not the same level of prospect, but J JSN hasn't been a no-doubter guy right yeah. right when he got to the NFL. And it just takes different guys uh, a different amount of time. Obviously, Justin Jefferson uh, didn't even play for, for multiple games uh, before he broke out a couple weeks into the season. But yeah, it, it it'll be uh, an interesting conversation, but a great prospect that that is uh, the overall takeaway. Not breaking any news here. My last guy on my list, Dalton, is Brian Robinson. Uh, maybe a surprising one coming from me. Uh, it is not always pretty with Brian Robinson. Some of that is him, and not just like I'm not saying it's because he's not good, but just his, his style. He he he's a little you know a little bit like Amon Ross St. Brown, where he's not. A flashy guy at the position. He's not a make you miss guy. He's a grinder who will just keep making positive plays. And then you just have the commanders who that offense can just run so hot and cold. They can put up 31 on the Eagles and then fumble the ball a million times against the Giants. And he'll be stuck at four points for almost the whole game. And then thank God he scores a touchdown before the game is over. And whew, this guy ended up with 13 points. Okay. He didn't wreck my day, but he is the RB4 
this season, which is just shocking. Like, think back. He was going, like, basically back-to-back with Antonio Gibson in the, like, early 30s at the position at running back. And if I told you that he was going to play 53% of his team's snaps this season and have five rushing touchdowns through 11 weeks, you know, whatever, 10 games probably, you would not say, oh, that's the RB4. Like, it, it, it is shocking how, how good he's been. He does have three receiving touchdowns, and he's running routes on 35% of, of their passing plays, 7% target share. All of that is fine. Like, you're probably thinking best case, like a fringe top 20 type of guy, but he has just exceeded that. As long as you close your eyes, don't watch the game. Just look at the points it gives you when it's over. It's been a great, great ride with Brian Robinson on fantasy teams where it is really hard to find guys you're thankful for running back. I tried. I, I, I tried, and I was like, I, I'm looking through this list, and I I am just not – I can't say Jalen Warren again this week. There are a lot of guys I am not liking right now at the position, but Brian Robinson, he – is just been pretty consistent. Never scored fewer than six points. That doesn't sound like much, but you know Travis Etienne uh, ha- has been flirting with that number uh, off of the bye week the last two weeks. Uh, he has been double digits for three weeks in a row, doing his part to help teams in their playoff pushes. Yeah, well, and he is seventh among running backs in targets this season, mm-hmm. and every name above him is a running back you would probably say gets targets. I mean. AK, CMC, Stevenson, Jameer Gibbs, Rashad White, and Josh Jacobs are all above him. And he uh, and he's doing good with his targets, too. He's not being a slouch with it. Uh, there is a certain uh, draft analyst who we will remain unnamed, uh, Matt Waldman, who said specifically when he came to the league that just because he was a plotter at Alabama didn't mean he can't catch the ball, and he's actually quite good at it. Mm-hmm. And it turns out he is. So, yeah, you can't say anything negative about him. Eric Bieniemy and company – in Washington are working a good offense there, and he is probably the best dead zone running back we've seen since last year's Josh Jacobs. And that says a lot because Josh Jacobs finished in RB1, and with the way this position is working out, I, I could see Brian Robinson finishing as a top four running back where he's at right now. Yeah, for sure. All right, I lost track. Do you have another one, or did you already one run more, out? One more, Uno Boss. Uh, this one's a quick one. It's clear, Shakir. Uh, uh-huh. Uh, over the last four weeks, his routes have gone up. Week seven, he was at 43%. Since then, he's run 72, 75, 70, and 74%. Through those four weeks, he has even out at the wide receiver four and only has one game outside of the top 20 in scoring. Uh, and that one game was week 10 where he only had 8% of the team's targets and only 50% of his targets were deemed catchable. Uh, his average depth of target is sitting at a nice 9.9. But really, the reason I'm happy for this is I hope the Bills see this and let Gabe Davis go, and then we no longer have to have another offseason discourse of Gabe Davis because well, he's it's, a free well, agent. It's, it's that, and then it's the looming Dawson Knox. I think the Dawson Knox thing is the bigger thing that yes. is helping him right now, the fact yes. that Knox is not around. Well, and that is the other hope because those stats since week seven – was when Dawson Knox got injured. Yep. And hopefully the Bills continue to try to spread the ball out and use 11 personnel because it looks like their best offense in real life and fantasy, quite frankly. And if Khalil Shakir develops into a reliable wide receiver two, 
and is what Gabe Davis isn't, then we might finally also have a nice consolidated set of fantasy producers on this Bills offense, which we haven't had the last two years of Josh Allen. It's been Stefan Diggs and nobody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all of those are very exciting. And then finally, been a big fan of Shakir since he came out. Yep. It looks like the routes are there. Even last year in limited time, he did look like a good player and a good NFL player. So I'm just hoping that we round up this year. He does successful. The Bills let Gabe Davis walk. That conversation's over. We see Shakur in a wide receiver two role and him, Kincaid, and Stefan Diggs go into 2024 as the guys in this offense that you want to own. Yep. Agree on all fronts there I've talked about. Uh, my hopes for the Bills offense over the last couple of weeks too. Real quick before we get out of here, we have a, a doozy of a question. And when I say doozy of a question, I mean I don't know what to do uh, for for our friend in the chat here. Should he trade Austin Eckler and Jalen Waddle for Chris Olave, Travis Kelsey, and Garrett Wilson? And then it gets even worse when you get to his actual team. I'd say worse, harder. His running backs are Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler, Jerome Ford, and Tony Pollard. His wide receivers are Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Amari Cooper, Chris Goblin, and Jalen Waddell. He does have Evan Ingram at tight end, so he has a, a startable tight end. Um, I'm leaning towards trade for Olave, Kelsey, and Wilson because – with what I saw from Austin Eckler on that run, <laughs> that was I pretty bad. Am so incredibly concerned. Yeah, and if Keenan Allen misses any time, which with Keenan Allen is very probable, I do not know how that offense functions, and I do not know how Austin Eckler gets any good running lanes. And then the days will get better for Kelsey. I think Tim Boyle is a terrible starter, but maybe he'll at least hyperfixate on Garrett Wilson. Well, we've seen literally everybody but Zach Wilson has had uh, good days with Garrett Wilson. Yes. So I would do it. I think uh, having Pollard, uh, as much as we hate on him as an RB2, I I mean, it's fine. Yeah. And then with Chris Olave, you, you just hope. I, it's a, it's a better starter right now than T Higgins and Mark Cooper, unfortunately. And yeah. Jalen Waddle has been like Mister should have been every week, where we yeah. always expect it to be his big week, and he's just he just has not done it. Yep, agreed. Yeah, I I think I'm doing this too. I I didn't really think about it in a uh, in the sense of selling on Eckler, so I I do definitely. Uh, I don't hate doing that. And on that note, guys, that is going to do it for episode 127 of the Half Point Per Podcast. Give us a follow, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Half Point Per Pod. Subscribe to the YouTube, uh, and we will answer your questions during the show if you show up in the chat during our live show. If you listen to the podcast feed still, we appreciate you as well. The show is available anywhere you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple, all of that good stuff. Leave us a five-star review. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy all of the football, including the first ever Black Friday football game. How exciting. We will talk to you guys again next week.